Um, but this is my third sermon, I think, here in H2O, and ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you guys don't know, all of our staff are technically missionaries. Um, so this summer, Josiah and I were support raising, and we got together with a pastor, and he was um, asking me about, like, so what have you spoke on in your sermons? And I was like, well, my first one was peace. My next one was solitude. He was like, I'm detecting a theme here. <laughs> What's your next one going to be? Rest? <laughs> Sabbath? <laughs> like, and I am here to tell you that I'm not going to be speaking on rest or Sabbath, but <laughs> I am going to be speaking on the Good Shepherd. We can put that up, which is still kind of following my theme. <laughs> I had made a commitment to not follow my predictability, but here we are. But that's all right. <laughs> all right, well, let's jump into it. Um, so as I was thinking about what I wanted to share today, I was thinking back to my time as a student and just what are some like pivotal messages that I needed to hear as a student and what do students today need to hear? That was only a couple years ago. That sounds like I'm like 80 years old, but <laughs> that was two years ago. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking about that and I was thinking about how many things there are on campus and in our world that are telling us to follow them. They're vying for our attention, competing for our attention, and telling us, follow me. And especially, I think, on the college campus, it's just like an intensity um, that you probably haven't experienced before. Living at home and growing up, you probably didn't experience that kind of level of things telling you to follow them and just so many options of things that you could do with your life and spend your time doing. Um, so I wanted to talk about that today. Um, yeah, so let's... Let's begin to think about some of those things that are calling for us, calling for our attention, telling us to follow them. So I'm sure you experienced week one, most of you, Festival. Did anybody go to Festival? Oh man, yeah. It's intense. So I was looking up how many student orgs there are at U of M. There's over 1,600 student orgs that you could get involved in during your time at U of M. <laughs> and that's just like official campus student orgs. So, yeah, already there's a lot of things calling for your attention and asking you to be a part of them and follow them. Um, not to mention, you guys know the pressure at U of M to succeed, to succeed academi academically and in your careers someday. That's something that's telling you to follow it. Success is saying, follow me. And then on campus, I'm sure you've experienced some of the pressure that you've stepped into the pressure to conform to the things that are so normal on our campus. Think parties and drunkenness, think sexual immorality. There's a number of things that you could follow on this campus that are pressuring you daily, and I'm sure you feel that pressure to come and follow them. Um, and even your friends, too. Like, for good or for bad, think about the things that they're inviting you to do with them. Um, and a very obvious one, think about social media constantly things telling you to follow them. There's that little follow button. You can follow anyone and anything you can imagine. Probably hundreds or thousands of people and accounts that you could follow on a daily basis. And every time we hit follow, we're giving that person or that thing influence in our lives. And over time, that begins to shape us, shape our thoughts, shape our actions. And so, yeah, whether we realize it or not, all of those things are saying, follow me. Come and 
allow me to have influence in your life, give me your attention, and we become like those things over time. So at U of M, we talk a lot about leadership. I'm sure you've heard that we're the leaders and best. <laughs> yes, we are the leaders and best. And we have some great leaders. My, my main role on our staff team is to coach our core group leaders. We have awesome ladies. We've got Tessa and Emily and Abby and Kylie and Julia, who's not here today. And I've had the privilege of coaching Lauren, too, last year, if I'm forgetting any of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've had the privilege of coaching a lot of great ladies in leadership. We've got awesome leaders, um, but I think something that we sometimes neglect to talk about is that we also are not only um, have a tendency to follow, but we're called to follow as well. Um, so we all, I think, inherently have this tendency to do what others are doing or to see something and to want to follow it to want to be like it, or we find it interesting. Um, and that can be for good or for bad. If you're following the right things, it could be really great for your life. But if you're following the wrong things, it can be really destructive and dangerous because the things that we follow are where we're going to end up and who we're going to become. And so I, I was thinking about, like, what are some things that I've followed recently that have influenced my life? And I started thinking about the amount of time that I spend on Instagram following ladies that are putting out, like, new recipes all the time. And I'm beginning to think, like, I'm a chef. I can do this. <laughs> like, and I'm constantly trying new recipes now. And, like, Josiah and I will sit down for dinner, and I'm like, what do you think? Is it good? Do you like it? <laughs> and, and so I'm, like, really beginning to think that I'm, like, I'm a chef now because I've followed these ladies that I copy their recipes. <laughs> And so that's kind of a silly example, but it's true. Like the things that we follow, the things that we give influence in our lives um, to have an effect on us. They begin to shape us over time. Um, so, yeah, it's an important thing to realize like we have a tendency to follow and we need to be led by someone or something that is going to lead us in the right direction. And I think I have the answer to who that should be. <laughs> Um, yes. Okay. So in biblical terms, we often hear this described as sheep in need of a shepherd, which is where we're going to go to today in scripture. Um, but before we jump into the passage that I want to talk about today, I want to give you a little picture of why we're called sheep. Maybe you've heard people call you sheeple or, <laughs> or you've called other people sheeple. That's so silly, but it's kind of true. Um, but yeah, I want to paint a picture of why are we called sheep um, and why are we so often described as sheep in the Bible because it's often used to describe God's people. So some things to know about sheep. We can go to the next slide. Oh, we already do. Great, Lauren. <laughs> um, okay, so sheep are social animals. They live in flocks. They tend to follow other sheep, um, even blindly. I was reading some stories of sheep just like walking off a cliff because the other sheep are doing it. <laughs> so why not? <laughs> so they have a tendency to just kind of follow blindly even into danger or off course. So they really need to be led by someone um, to keep them on course. They're also prey animals. So they are pretty defenseless against danger and predators. They really 
need protection. And so they have some protection in numbers, but they also need that protection from a shepherd that's going to keep them away from danger. And sheep are also prone to wandering. So they often get like distracted by like a little patch of grass or they get startled by something and then they end up wandering off from the flock. And it's kind of sad and kind of funny, but I was reading stories of like they become really disoriented when they get separated from the flock. And sometimes they even get like stuck laying down like on their back and they can't get back up <laughs> and, and they end up dying this way, which is really kind of sad, <laughs> but <laughs> unless the shepherd comes and finds them and saves them. But they're just, they're really prone to wandering and getting themselves into situations that are not beneficial for them. So they need their flock, they need their community, and they need their shepherd. And finally, sheep are completely dependent on their shepherd for pretty much all essentials to life, like finding food and water, making sure they don't overgraze an area and run out of food, <laughs> um, staying on course, grooming, protection. So they just have a, a large dependency on their shepherd. Um, so I'm sure you're beginning to see the picture forming of why we're called sheep. Um, and I think it's important to acknowledge that we do have some similarities <laughs> and and we do need someone to lead us because we don't always know what's best for us or our lives. It's really important. So this is where we're going to pick up in Scripture today. Um, we're going to look at a parable, which parable is just a fancy word for a story. Um, and this is a parable that Jesus told us. He taught it. Um, and it's about our need for a shepherd and the kind of shepherd that he is to us. He's the good shepherd. Um, so we're going we're gonna to go to John 10, um, but first let's pray really quick before we jump into the Word. Well, God, thank you so much for this Word. Thank you for um, just Scripture that speaks to us, that's alive and active and can sharpen us and um, transform our lives. Lord, I pray that you would use this Word today, that you would use this Scripture to speak to us, to sharpen us, to transform us, and to apply it to our lives. We just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's turn to John 10 together. I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation. And it'll be up there if, if you need it. So, all right. John 10, the good shepherd and his sheep. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run a run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal 
and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. We're going to end there. It goes on a little farther, but we're going to stop there for today. So remember, this is Jesus speaking. He's the one teaching this parable. So every time we see, I am the good shepherd, or I am the gate, it's Jesus referring to himself as the good shepherd and to us as the sheep. So I want to dig into why why is Jesus a good shepherd? Kind of make some statements here in this parable about what makes him good. And so we're going to dig into that. So the first the first reason we see that makes Jesus a good shepherd, the good shepherd, is in verse 9 and 10. It says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus gives a few reasons why um, he's good here, but I see it as like one overarching theme, and that's that he offers us salvation. He offers us eternal life or abundant life. Um, He says that whoever enters the flock through him will be saved. And he promises that when you enter the flock through him and are saved, that you'll find pasture as you come in and go out from the sheepfold. Um, And I think what that means might be a little unfamiliar. We live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. There's not a lot of shepherding happening (laughs) in Ann Arbor, especially the way it was in biblical times. Um, But I think what that means for us is that when we come into his house, when we come into the body, and when we go back out into the world as a witness, We'll find all that we need. We'll find spiritual nourishment. Jesus says he's our daily bread. He sustains us. We'll find provision for our lives. Um, Yeah, when a sheep finds pasture, it means that they're finding nourishment. They're finding the things that sustain life, like food and water, those kinds of good things that sustain life. And so, yeah, we, we can find that too through the Good Shepherd. And then he also says he offers us life and life abundantly or life to the full in this translation here and for eternity. And so I was thinking about like how could I illustrate life abundantly, life to the full. And I, I'm on this theme of food and animals. So <laughs> I have another one again. But have you guys seen like the comparisons between the pasture-raised chicken egg and the regular, like, caged chicken egg, the difference in color and the yolk. <laughs> uh, well, I thought of that. I was like, man, there's these pasture-raised chickens that are allowed to just, like, be out eating the grass and the sunlight all day and, like, have this abundant life. And the impact it has on their eggs is, like, there's more nutrition in them. There's a brighter, vibrant color. But then you've got, they do taste better. Yes, I agree. <laughs> And then you've got the caged chicken eggs where these chickens have lived in a cage with tons and tons of other chickens and diseases and all these things. 
being passed around all the time. And their eggs are a lot less nutritious, taste a, a lot less good. <laughs> and the color, you can tell there's a difference in the way that they, um, their lives were. And so I thought to myself, hmm, we, Jesus offers us pasture <laughs> as we come in and go out. And so it's just an idea of what life and life abundantly could look like with Jesus, <laughs> the pasture-raised chicken versus the caged chicken. <laughs> yes, free-range chickens. <laughs> anyway, all right, so that was number one. So number one, the reason why Jesus is the good shepherd is he offers us salvation, eternal life, abundant life. Number two, the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And he says that throughout this parable, um, and this is this is a sacrificial kind of love to be willing to lay down your life for someone or something, which I think Pastor Chris spoke on this last year. That's the only real kind of love that there is. Saying I love you is I'll sacrifice for you. And so, yeah, Jesus shows us this kind of sacrificial love. That's what he did for us. He laid down his life sacrificially for our benefit. So he's the good shepherd because of that. So to give you a visual, there's a picture up here. Um, so this is what a sheep pen would have looked like in biblical times, roughly. But it would have rocks all the way around on three sides and part of the fourth side. And then there'd be an opening for the sheep and the shepherd to go in and out. Um, and so the shepherd in order to protect the sheep while they're sleeping at night or while they're in the pen, would lay across the gate, just like you see that shepherd doing there, and literally make himself the gate. So when Jesus is saying he's the gate, not only is it a metaphor for he's the one that we go through to receive salvation, but it's also a picture of the way that shepherds would care for and protect their sheep sacrificially, laying across the gate like that, or the opening. Yeah. And so they would typically sleep laying across this opening. And it would protect the sheep from getting out and wandering, but it would also protect the sheep from intruders or wild animals coming in. They would literally have to get across the shepherd in order to get to the sheep. And so it's just an awesome picture of how a good shepherd lays down his life and puts himself in harm's way to protect and care for his sheep. So number two, the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And the third reason why Jesus is a good shepherd is that he knows his sheep. In verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So a good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows how many there are, but he also knows them individually. He pays attention to their needs. He pays attention and inspects them carefully for injury, for sickness, for disease. He keeps them without spot or blemish. And so he's very in tune with knowing his sheep. And so think about the person who knows you the best. They probably know everything about you or just about everything. They can tell when something is wrong. 
You can kind of read your body language and your facial expressions and just your demeanor. This is the way that a shepherd would know his sheep. So Josiah and I were talking about this last night, but since we've been married for three, three and a half years now almost, I can tell when something is wrong. And it's usually very subtle, and a lot of people probably wouldn't pick up on it. Josiah's usually like the smiley, happy one, and everyone's like, oh, he's fine all the time. But (laughs) I have been able to pick up on the little ways that I can tell he's not okay now. He has a certain sigh. I'm like, what's wrong? I know something's wrong with you. (laughs) Or a certain face, certain facial expression. And so I can tell when something's wrong because we know each other that well now. And I'm always like, I'll like follow him around and be like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? I know something's wrong. (laughs) And usually I'm right. (laughs) And so... (laughs) So this is the kind of way that the shepherd knows his sheep, um, and Jesus even more so. He knows us even more intimately than that. The Bible says he formed us. He created us in our mother's wombs. He knows our thoughts and our hearts. He knows the words on our tongue before we even speak them, and certainly he knows what's best for us and is deserving of leading our lives for that reason. So that is why... Jesus is a good shepherd worth following. But now I want to compare the good shepherd with the hired hand that we read about in the passage. So we're going to read verses 11 through 13 again. Um, So it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So the hired hand is very different from the shepherd, especially from a good shepherd. He doesn't lay down his life for the sheep. Instead, we see that he flees and abandons the sheep at the first sign of danger. Instead of offering life, an abundant life like the good shepherd, He abandons the sheep in the face of danger and hands them over to harm, even death. Um, Yeah, it's just he hasn't been there taking care of the sheep day after day, nurturing them, caring for them. He doesn't know them the way the good shepherd does. And this verse tells us why that is, why the hired hand does these things. It says because the hired hand doesn't truly care for the sheep the way the shepherd does. Yeah, and I was I was thinking about this part of the parable, and I was just realizing, man, there's a lot of hired hands out there in our world today that we could follow. A lot of those things that we talked about at the beginning, hired hands that will more than likely at some point disappoint us or fail us or desert us when we need them. And yeah, they're just they're not the good shepherd that truly cares for our soul and our well-being eternally. They are there one moment and gone the next. And so some examples of hired hands that I was thinking about are friends. Even good friends hurt us and disappoint us at times. Even at times lead us astray or desert us when we really need them. Success, which can be fleeting. You're pursuing success and All of a sudden you fail a test or you fail a class or you lose a job after years and years of working there. 
it can be fleeting. It can disappoint us and fail us. And the things that are so normal on this campus that we talked about, drunkenness and sexual immorality, all these things that promise fulfillment are really hollow and never really satisfy us and care for us. They leave us oftentimes more empty and alone after we engage in them than we were before. The one thing I was thinking about during worship, I didn't have this in my notes, but our own hearts, I think, can be hired hands. They're deceitful. They're things that can lead us astray. Following our own feelings, our own desires, our own wants can lead us astray. It's not the good shepherd that can truly see what is best for us. But the good news is we have a good shepherd that laid down his life for us, that did that even while we were still wandering, even while we were far off from him. He laid down his life sacrificially on our behalf. He knows us intimately. He loves us and cares for us. He doesn't abandon us in our time of need. He knows what's best for us in our life and gently corrects us when we need it. And he offers us eternal life, abundant life, which is to know God and to have relationship with him. And that's really good news, that we have something to follow that will not lead us astray, that will never harm us, that will never lead us in the wrong direction. It's someone worth following. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was thinking about this idea of the hired hand versus the good shepherd, and I was just like asking God, like, what is a good illustration for this? And then <laughs> I remembered something that happened the other day with our dog Willow. You can put up a picture of Willow. That's Willow. She's so cute. <laughs> She's my little baby. <laughs> but Willow, if you know Willow, Willow is very attached to Josiah and I. We got her from the Humane Society. She was a rescue. But she is not the most warm or snuggly with new people that enter our apartment. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know Chase. He's not here. You guys, Stockwell guys probably know Chase. Willow, I don't know why, but she just like goes crazy when Chase comes into our apartment and like just has to keep her eye on him and like poke him <laughs> the whole time. And Neo, if you guys know Neo, Neo and Willow do not get along. They hate each other. It's <laughs> it's two ways there, too. They both don't like each other. But <laughs> so all of that to say, Willow is not usually very snuggly or warm with strangers. She's a sweetie with us, but she doesn't show many people that side of her. And so Josiah's brother, Luke, came over and spent the night with us last weekend after pizza at the Pains. And when we got home, it was pretty late. And so Willow was kind of sleepy and drowsy and out of it. And so Luke was sitting on the couch and had, like, his pillow and blanket there to stay the night. And Willow was over there, like, snuggling Luke and, like, playing with him, like, doing her cute little thing where she, like, is pawing him and trying to bite him playfully. And we were just sitting there watching, like, this is so weird. <laughs> Willow is playing with and snuggling someone other than us. And then Josiah was sitting, like, across the room in our chair that's on the other wall opposite of the couch. And at some point, Willow looked up and noticed Josiah was sitting over there and laughing and looked at Luke and jumped off the couch and turned around and started, like, barking like crazy at him. And <laughs> we were like, oh, my gosh, she thought 
Luke was Josiah this whole time. <laughs> like, like, Luke looks a lot like Josiah. They're about the same height, similar build, although I'm sure you'd probably say that you're the bigger one compared to Luke. They act a lot alike, and so they're just, there's a lot of similarities. And Willow totally thought that Luke was Josiah, who she knows and trusts, like her owner that takes care of her every day. Also, we are not those people that call ourselves her owner. We are those weird people that call ourselves mom and dad to our dog. <laughs> but she, yeah, I'm glad somebody is. Josiah was like, don't say that. Don't tell them that. <laughs> but we are. We are. And so she trusts us. She, like, every day we take care of her. Every day Josiah mostly takes care of her and takes her outside for walks and feeds her at 7 a.m. when I'm still passed out. And, and so she trusts him. And so in that moment, she was like, oh, my gosh, this is the wrong guy. <laughs> like, this is not who I thought this was. It was the hired hand. <laughs> Literally, we have had Luke watch her, so like the hired hand that doesn't really care that much about her, doesn't really like her that much, but <laughs> will watch her if needed, and we appreciate it. <laughs> but yes, so how do we not be like Willow and follow the hired hand? How do we make sure that we're following the good shepherd and not the hired hand? Um, so after all of that, I want to take us back to this parable, verses 2 through 5 again. Um, it says, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Yeah, so how do we follow the Good Shepherd? We learn to know and trust his voice above all other voices. And there's a lot of them. We've been talking about a lot of them today. So I want to take us back to that visual of the sheep pen. Um, I think I put another picture up there. Um, but if you remember the sheep pen, there's the walls around it. There's the door where the shepherd goes in and out. And typically, something I was learning this week, is that typically there were multiple flocks in the same sheep pen. And so there were more than one shepherd. There was more than one shepherd going in and out and calling their flocks. And so the sheep of each flock had to learn the voice of their shepherd really well. And so when the shepherd would go in and call the sheep, his sheep and his sheep only would come and follow the sound of his voice. And so they really had to know and trust the voice of their shepherd well. And how did they know their shepherd's voice so well? I think was it was because they learned to trust his voice day after day as he led them, as he helped them find pasture, as he kept them safe, as he tended to their injuries, as he went out to find the lost sheep and bring it back, as he tenderly cared for them and nurtured them. And they were close to him daily. They learned to trust and hear his voice and know his voice well when he called. So you might be seeing some parallels to your life, how you can know the voice of our shepherd, but I just want to really talk through how can we apply this. How do we learn to hear our good shepherd's voice? So we can go to the, the next slide. Yeah, so I thought of four ways. This probably isn't an exhaustive list, but 
four good ways to begin to learn how to hear our good shepherd's, shepherd's voice. The first one, probably heard this a million times, but it's necessary to hear it again and again, but reading the Bible daily. This is God's spoken word for all time, even when it feels like he's silent, he's not speaking to us, he's already spoken, and we can hear him speaking to us through his word. The next one is surrounding yourself with Christian friends. I've heard it said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's true. (laughs) The people we surround ourselves with play a huge role in who we become and where we end up. Just like sheep, we can find ourselves way off track from where we thought we would be when we follow others and other things who aren't heading in the right direction. The third one is invite godly counsel into your life. Find someone who's a little older, a little farther along in their faith. Ask them for advice. Talk to them about things you're reading in scripture, struggles you're facing. God often uses these people in the body of Christ to speak to us. I meet with Tammy every other week, and this week I was asking for her, asking her for a lot of advice on things that I'm processing in my life, and she's been doing this a lot longer than me. I shouldn't say a lot. That, that sounded really wrong. <laughs> but she's got wisdom, <laughs> that golden wisdom. <laughs> and so I was asking Tammy, like, I need your perspective as someone who's been through this before and who's been through this a lot longer than me. Like, tell me what you think about this thing that I'm thinking about. So invite godly counsel into your life. And then the final one is make time to listen for God to speak to you in your daily life. So God often speaks through just a still, small voice, almost like a whisper to your heart. It's not usually a loud, booming, audible voice. And so we can easily miss his voice when we're constantly surrounding ourselves with busyness and noise. We have to make time to quiet ourselves and hear his voice and listen for him to speak to us because he's always speaking to us, and we can often miss it. Yeah. And something that I really wanted to emphasize at the end of this message is that a distant relationship from God usually begins with small decisions to wander. So missing church or core group a few times, which turns into a few more, which turns into a few more. Neglecting to have your time with God for a few days and a few more days, and a few more days, spending more and more time with your friends who aren't serving Christ and with your Christian friends, which is not to say you shouldn't be spending time. You should be. You should be a witness to them. But as they begin to replace your Christian friends and your Christian community, it begins to take us off course. And dabbling with sin and temptation, getting as close to the line as we can rather than fleeing from it, all of these things are small decisions that compound and take us farther and farther from God. So we have to stay vigilant and alert in order to stay close to the Good Shepherd. I was thinking about um, that. There was a picture up there of the Good Shepherd calling to his sheep. You could see the sheep like running and trying to stay up close to him, trying to hear his voice. And yeah, that's how we need to be. Staying close and hearing his voice involves action. Passivity is not going to keep us close to him or help us to learn his voice. And that's that goes for all relationships. I feel like I say this in every sermon. Somehow it always ties in. But <laughs> like relationships are a two-way street. I have to be intentional to spend time with Josiah. 
And if I begin skipping out on time with him more and more, eventually we would be miles apart. And the same thing goes for any relationship. So it involves intentional action. We can't be passive in those relationships. And this is what I see a lot of U of M students do in college. And it, it's probably one of the most frustrating and heartbreaking things to me when I'm on campus talking to a student and they say, like, I'm too busy for church. I'm too busy for God. I'm going to go focus on my schoolwork, and I'll get back to it after college. I'll be back in church then. Because that's such a dangerous lie that the enemy speaks to us. It's not true. It's, it's not going to work out well. I've seen it over and over and over again. The truth is, I wanted to tell you guys this statistic, not to scare you, but just to give you some perspective. Um, but the truth is, about 70% of college students who are Christian coming into college will leave college with little to no faith. 70%. That's so many. So many of your friends that are Christian will enter college and walk away with no faith. And I think majority of that statistic isn't students making an intentional decision that I don't want to follow Christ anymore, or I don't believe in God anymore. I think majority of that statistic it's people that make small decisions, small compromises that create more and more and more distance from God until eventually they forget about him altogether. It's not a priority in their life anymore. And at that point, you're not going to go back to church when, like, there's already so much distance. You've forgotten him. Like, it's not a priority anymore. And so it's just more and more small decisions and compromises that create more and more distance between you and God. So the time to prevent that is before it ever starts, before you ever begin making those small steps away from his voice and care. Because if we're not holding fast to Jesus and pursuing him, we're quickly going to be swept away in the current on campus that's heading in the opposite direction. If you really think that you can fight that current, walking by yourself and not in the body, man, it'll, it'll take you under so quickly. There's a real enemy that would love nothing more than to take you farther than you ever thought you could go. There's a quote on the next slide, I think. Yeah, I've heard this quote said before, and I think it's powerful. Um, it says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that's that's the truth. There's... Man, there's a real enemy, and he wants to take you farther than you ever thought you could go from God, keep you there, and he wants to destroy you in your life. And so we have to be vigilant. We have to be active in our relationship with God and choose to pursue him above all else. Yeah, so I'm going to wrap this up. The band can come up and get ready to play. Um, but how do we apply this? I want to make it practical. What are some action steps we can take? Right now, we want to be doers of the word and not just hearers. And so the first way I think you can apply this today is you can make a decision. I'm going to stay close to the good shepherd. I'm going to trust his voice above all others in college. I'm not going to follow the hired hands. I'm not going to follow the strangers' voices that are constantly calling me and telling me to follow them. I'm going to stay close to the good shepherd, and I'm going to listen for his voice and his leading. That's number one. And number two is practicing getting to know the voice of our Good Shepherd. It takes time to develop that skill. 
Um, but we talked about it earlier, those four ways. Get in the Word every day. Surround yourself with Christian friends. Get good godly counsel, good mentors in your life that are going to draw you closer to Christ. And the final one, um, what was it? Now I'm forgetting. Anyone remember? Remember? Yes, make time to listen in your daily life. Thanks, Tessa. <laughs> yeah, so practicing those, getting to know God's voice during your time in, your time in college. Man, you could use your time in college to go farther than you ever thought you could from God, but you can also use it to grow in your faith way more than you ever expected possible. And there's no in-between. I think you have to choose one. You have to make a decision to either stay close or to end up far from God. But, yeah, the band is going to play another song, and then I just want to spend some time in prayer together. Um, So I have a couple things that I want to pray about, a couple places you might be at in your life. So the first one is if you feel like you've been wandering, if you feel like you've been following some hired hands lately that weren't really trustworthy, that aren't really leading you down the right path, I want to pray for you today. Yeah. And number two, um, if you're someone that you just want to make that commitment that I'm going to follow the Good Shepherd during my time in college. I'm going to really be intentional to get to know his voice. I'm going to follow his voice above all others. I want to pray for you too. So if either of those are you, we'd love to pray for you. You can come down as the band begins to play.